Welcome to the Nitty Gritty, where we challenge conventional thinking. Join us as we explore real life, real people, real stories, and how pushing back can make all the difference. Welcome to the Nitty Gritty Podcast. Andrew Van Buren, my guest of the day. Numero dos. Numero dos. I've never been the host before. I've been on a few of these podcasts as a guest because I'm super interesting. And right? I've never been a guest because I have nothing interesting to say. That's that's not true. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna dig in. We're gonna find something fun to say. So we are gonna be co-hosts on this show normally. Yep. But we thought it would be a good idea to just introduce both of us as guests so people can kind of get to know us. And people can find out that Andrew actually does have some interesting and fun facts about himself. <laughs> yes, he is a 75-year-old wealthy senior citizen <laughs> trapped in a very fit and tight 34-year-old body. It's not, hey, I uh, like... Maybe a 34-year-old person in a 29-year-old's body because he eats like a girl. But I like to sleep. I know, a little I'm, too much. I'm really... So, someone once asked me if I, if I had a superpower. Uh-huh. It's falling asleep. <laughs> That's my superpower. See, my superpower is the opposite, although it is fading fast. No, I, I can't remember the last time I was awake when an airplane took off. I'm asleep. On every airplane, every no matter what time it's at. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if middle of day. Doesn't matter if the kids are with us. I sit down on an airplane sleep, even if I'm in the middle. Whoa. I'm just like, I'm out. That's wild. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder if that'll get worse as you get older. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, I've been like this as a kid. So when I was little, my mom would always take me for a drive. Like if I wouldn't fall asleep, she'd just throw me in the car and drive and I'd be out. That's true. We've done that with our kids before. That does kind of work pretty well. And friends, still to, still to this day, if you and I are driving to Salt Lake and you're driving, I'll fall asleep. <laughs> See, I fall asleep when I get home after work. I sit in the recliner, right? And for some reason, it is like 40 minutes of me snoring and waking myself up. And then it goes away, and then I'm good again. But I don't know why when I get home, I just I do the same thing every day. I just need to not sit in that chair. Yeah. Okay, so Andrew Van Buren. Right? That's me. 34 years old. Yep. What's your sign? I'm sure there's people that care about that out there. I don't give a crap about it. But I don't even know. Shut up. Scorpio, is that a sign? Yeah, it's a sign. Okay, then that's what it is. I don't know if that means anything. I mean, you're a really good basketball player. I, I have no idea. I know your wife's super attracted to you. I hope so. Because you look good when you sleep. Very. <laughs> that's pretty much all you do at home, right? Mouth open. Oh, Andrew. Okay, so a little premise. Andrew and I are brother-in-laws, right? Yep. So we married sisters. I married Ashley, you married Jenna, the, the youngest sister. You've had a little bit of a social media. You know, tell us about that. What what has been your problem with social media for years? Because until what, three months ago? Oh. You were non-existent. I had, all the apps were deleted. So answer two questions for me. Okay. One, why were you absent for so long? And I want a real answer. Okay. Like, even if it means making fun of people. Okay. Two, what, what brought you back? Okay, so... What I don't like about social media is I feel like it's all fake. Right. So everyone only posts like, and I was guilty of it too. I'm not going to post a picture of me at my office working. Right. <laughs> like right. no one wants to, no one wants to see that. But if I go on a cool trip, you better believe I'm going to post a picture of it. Sure. Or if I'm golfing and not working, post a picture. Right. Right. So it was more than anything. I was just, I got annoyed that everyone was like falling into this, I don't know, their false sense of reality that it, and especially like people would start comparing their lives to it. Like, oh, look what they're always doing. Or women, oh, she's got to be such a good mom because look what she can do. She's, <laughs> her house is so clean. It's but clean. You don't she's see got her housekeepers in the on. background. Yeah. They're out of frame. And then the number one pet peeve was in my mind thinking how many times it took them to get the picture that they posted. (laughs) 
because you can't tell me that someone's going to take a selfie and snap one and right. they're like, oh yeah, that's the one. Of course. So they're sitting there and they're catching all the angles and I can just like envision this in my head as I see it a post uh-huh. of how many times it took him to get to it and it just bugged me. Like sure. thinking how many times it took that person to get their picture. Right. So, so you sound like my wife. My wife will be watching TV and she'll be scrolling and she just gets pissed off. I'm like, what are you mad about? Like, oh, this boat, it just, it drives me crazy. I'm like, so why are you looking at it? Yeah. Why are you following that person? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, we've had that discussion <sighs> so many times. So I find it interesting though that there are things, so so you just didn't want to feel like you were also participating in that social media behavior or did you just not think you had anything interesting to say or do or show probably honestly a little bit of both but also it was i was annoyed at myself at how much time i spent on those apps okay because that's a healthy answer i'm like i'm a fidgeter so if i watch tv i have to have the remote in my hand and unconsciously i'm just gonna flip it the whole time right i'm just I've Scroll. always, I'm always playing with something like I had to get a, one of these fake wedding rings because when I had the real one, I never had it on. It was always in my finger. I was flipping it. I was twirling it. And so with my phone, if I don't have anything else, I'm just flipping my phone. And then I found myself just mindlessly opening up social media, you know, all the social media. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what you're doing with your life right now. Why am I looking at it? <laughs> right. And so I was like, hey, I'm done. Deleted it. And it was awesome. Uh, hey, I mean, there's a part of me. If I didn't have a business, if you look at my, I have a personal Instagram and then a business Instagram. Yeah. I probably post once, maybe four times a year on my personal just because I need low hanging fruit. That's the hard part about the business one for me is I've got to have something really easy. Like, oh, this would be cool. I should take a picture of this and put it on there. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of have the same issue. Like you can't, it's hard to just think of, you're a humble guy, right? You're not going to sit there and go, what can I do to get social media presence today? No. No. Right. But you also don't want to fall into that that trap. So with all of that said, what changed your mind? Because you're back. You're back, baby. I'm a sellout. You're... Easy, you're not as come easy, on easy as that no it's not what is it really the honest truth is business uh, there it is i mean i'm gonna shoot it shoot i straight. was gonna say it if you didn't say the it. only reason i got back on was because i want to find a way to use it for good right and i think there's a lot of ways to use it for good yeah. Are you starting to see that now? Are you seeing a more healthy side of it or is it still hard for you? So it's easier. It's right. not easy. I still find myself, if I have my phone, like I'll just open it up. But like I got in the habit of when I get home from work, I just put my phone in a different room or I'll, I just, I don't keep it around my body because if right. it's around me, I'll just pick it up and get on it. Right. Um, I mean, but honestly, the other thing is like, if you're going to do something like a podcast or if you're going to do any kind of online marketing, you have to have, right. you, you have to have a presence. There. And so I'm trying to figure out how do you grow that, but do it, you know, authentically. Right. Like, how can you do it without blasting people or posting stuff that no one really cares about? Right. And then I come into like, honestly, no one really cares what I have to say or do. Like no one really, no one really cares. And it's cause I mean, do you really care? I think you might be surprised. You've got some pretty good things to say. Yeah. I think you need to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks and just do your thing. As hard as that is. Yeah. You're a pretty sharp guy and we're going to get into that. Oh boy. We're going to find out just how sharp Andrew Van Buren is. So business, let's talk business for a minute. Let's do it. Cause I think there's a lot to talk about in your field. Okay. Because I think there's some paradigms that people have about things, you know, what you do. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that comes from just not understanding what people like you do. And it also probably has to do a lot with, there's a lot of you, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what, what do you call yourself? When, you, when somebody asks you, what do you do for a living? What's your answer? I don't have a good answer, which is sad because right. I do 
I love what I do, but I hate the reputation of my industry. Right. Because if you say, oh, I do financial planning or wealth management or I'm an advisor, everyone knows someone who knows someone <laughs> right. who is doing it. Sure. And most people have had a pretty bad experience right. from someone, whether they feel, I don't know, for whatever reason it was. And so what I enjoy doing, the reason I got into it was the planning side, the strategic, the planning, the consulting. And so now as I've kind of evolved, it's become more like business consulting. So right. work with business owners, do strategic planning and consulting. You work with some business owners. Some. I mean, not all of them, <laughs> right? I mean, there's a waiting list. I mean, I don't work so, with restaurants that serve. 400 pound guy at the front of the line. Son of a, anyways, keep going, sorry. So, but yeah, so that's what I do and well, it's. So what's your favorite type? Like what, what, you gotta say something. So what do you do for a living, Andrew? I do business consulting. Business consulting, mm -hmm. okay. That works. So what's the name of your company? Aventus. Aventus. Yep. So where did that come from? I hired Red Ryder and Clark Taylor. Uh -huh. I'm not creative. So a peek into me. So if you remember, it's been a long time. There is this commercial. It was from, I think it was called BASF, the chemical company. Right, right, right. Huge company, right? Yeah. And their commercial was, we don't make the things you buy. We make the things you buy better. Oh. That was kind of their tagline. Like, that's like who I am. Like, I'm not creative. I don't make anything. Right. But I can show up and make something better. Okay. And so, like, create. I'm not going to come up with a name. But, like, once it's there, I feel like I can add something to it. So, right. going back to Red Rider, we, you know, you have your brainstorm sessions where you talk about what the meaning is or what kind of brand you're trying to build. So that's what Red Rider does, just so everybody understands. They're, yep. they, marketing, they're, they're a creative agency, basically. Okay. Yeah, so they'll do everything. So we went through the name, the logo, the colors, all that kind of stuff. Website, right. everything's kind of been with them. So Aventus, the kind of the root comes from the Roman god, Bonus Eventus. Uh -huh. And the, what's cool is like the literal translation of bonus eventus is good outcome. And so Ooh. like in my line of work, the only thing I'm looking for is the outcome, right? Like how we get there can change. It's different. Everyone can have their opinion on how you're trying to get there, but no one can argue with the outcome. Right. Sure. And so you're always trying to get that good outcome. And then one step further, he was the God of success in business. And so now you're working really? with business owners looking for good outcomes. Right. And the name of the company means good outcome from the God who was success in business. So now I know I have to wait for you so long because <laughs> you're like a God. You're like a deity. I am. And good things come to those who wait. I got to be patient. Okay. Well, that's a, that, I like that. So, so rolling off of that. You know, we're, we're close, yeah. right? We've become pretty close buddies, just yeah. not just because we married sisters, but I think that it's funny that you say you can take something to make it better. Mm -hmm. So in your own business, mm -hmm. there's been a little transformation. Yep. You used to be with another group with some partners Yep. and you broke away. Yep. And I think from what, from the little that I know, it's kind of exactly that, right? Mm -hmm. You're looking to take something and make it better. Yeah. So I want everybody to kind of hear what you're doing different. Cause like you said, this is a very saturated Oh yeah, field. for sure. Everyone thinks they know what they're doing. Um, you know, personally for me, getting to know you, there's just a, it's easy to trust you, but you can all, you can also see that, you know, it kind of goes to your fidgeting. You can always kind of see the wheel spinning. Yeah. You're a quiet guy. You're a stoic guy. I think we get along good because you need somebody like me in your life, but I also need somebody like you in my life. <laughs> we can balance it we, out a little right. bit. You know, I'm unhealthy. He's healthy. You know, I'm funny. <laughs> you're funny, just in a different way. I'm like rude, sarcastic. Yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. I mean, it's not rude. You're just, yeah, you like to kick up dust a little bit, but, it, but it's, it's loving. Anyway, sorry, we're going off on a tangent. But for me personally, the reason that I'm still waiting is because one, it's very obvious that you're probably a lot smarter than you give yourself credit for. But two, you are looking for better ways of doing things. Yeah. 
and you're taking risks. Mm-hmm. I've got some experience with that. Yeah. Right. So what that, I mean, I want you to tell the story obviously, but you, you took a risk. Yeah. You, you don't, you, you left your previous company yep. to start your own thing. We're sitting in your office right now. So what is it that you're doing differently than what you're going to find in most places as far as wealth management and financial planning goes? So if you look at kind of the industry in general, there you have all sorts of ways that you can get into it. You have different levels of service and there's all sorts of products. I mean, my career is interesting because I've touched on almost all of them. Like I originally got into it because I had a friend talk to me about coming to a, just like a, a financial, I don't know, call it a presentation, whatever you want to call right. it. Say, Hey, I have a friend who he makes really good money in finance. Do you want to come chat with him? I was like, Oh yeah, I'll go talk to that guy. Like I've always, I've always enjoyed talking to people, right. hearing their story. You know, I've never said no to a meeting before. So I went and for, I mean, even going back to high school, like I always joked around, like I was that guy that I read finance books in high school. Like I wrote like finance and business books. Like my family would make fun of me because <clears throat> I'd go on vacation. What did I say about the old man and a young, healthy body? You know? And so like, there's just always been something that's been intriguing. Like going back to making it better, like the rule of money. Right. Like how have people done it? And like, what are the rules? Like how can you either take advantage of those or right. well, anyways? So I got going, started at one place and I was told it was, you know, financial planning. That's how everyone markets themselves. I got into it and it was, it was more of a life insurance sales company with a financial planning arm. Gotcha. And so like, if you look behind the curtains, my compensation, everything that I did was contingent on how many life insurance policies you I You were sold. a salesman. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I would meet with people and we would talk about planning and we would do planning, but there was always, it was, it had to come back to life insurance somehow. Like I remember we'd go and meet someone and my manager, heck his comment would be, all right, how are we going to sell this guy a policy? Right. You know? Yeah. That's not good. But it is what it is. You don't know any different. I had a a couple of clients who asked me to do bigger stuff. I mean, my background is in sales, did the door to door thing. I'd always been in it. So what do you do when someone asks you, you say yes, figure it out. Sure. Right. Sure. So they started asking, can I do all these like kind of high level planning things? And I was like, oh yeah, for sure. And then like after I was like, oh, I got to figure out how to get this done. (laughs) I got to know who to talk to. So I started talking to accountants and attorneys and, you know, guys who had been in the business for a while. I'm big on like mentorship. Sure. You know, so you find people who have been there and who have done that. And I would just attach myself to them. Right. And I would just learn as much as I possibly could. And you take it back to the client, you start doing different things. And what happened is it became kind of painfully obvious that where I was was not a long-term fit. Right. It, it wasn't where I was going to be long-term. I mean, it was really good while I was there. I, I found early success. I mean, my first year there, I was only there like six, eight, six or eight months, but I was top 10 in the company. Right. You know, and then I was that way for the three years I was there. And then after that, I convinced a couple of the other advisors, guys that I worked with, I said, Hey, we can do this better. I'm like, we need to be able to do things a little bit differently. We don't want to just sell life insurance. We want to be able to do real planning. Sure. So we left and we started the Norton group. Okay. And the whole idea behind Norton was at the time we were obsessed with the show suits. <laughs> I love okay. suits. Oh, I love and it. So we were going to build I suits. I wish Brent was Donna. <laughs> I really do. He's Lewis. He's Lewis. <laughs> I love Lewis. I do too. You Lewis, lit is, up. Lewis is probably, we, Lewis have, is the we have that mug. Do you really? Yeah. Oh man. I hope everybody watches suits out there. Yeah. Last season coming up in July. Yeah. So anyways, we were obsessed with suits. Right. And so we wanted to build Norden like a law firm. Sure. Where different partners had different areas of expertise. The whole idea was we tr- we were trying to do things differently than what we had been exposed to in the business. Right. You know, most of the advisors we were at, at our old firm, they sold life insurance and did investing on the side. I didn't think that that was real planning. I just didn't. I, th- right. I thought you could do it a little bit better. 
Right. So that's where Norton was built and kind of that was the brainchild behind it. And so each partner had their area of expertise or the clients that they enjoyed working with where they felt like, you know, because in order to be successful, you've got to become obsessed with something. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so I was obsessed with learning tools and strategies that would help people. Like I love, I love being able to play a part in someone's success. Right. And so like I became fanatical about how can I help entrepreneurs and business owners? Because I loved being around them. I, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Oh, you are one. And so I started to really, really learn what types of planning, what types of strategies were kind of that moved the needle right. specifically around taxes. Right. Anyways, my this is getting way too technical. No, I like um, it. I think it's good. So we built it out that way. But then what started to happen was kind of the nature of the structure of the business is most advisors, not because of them, but because the business structure in which they work, they normally get paid by a commission by selling a product like I used to, or you do planning and then you manage their money and you get paid for managing their money. Brings us to the ugliest word in finance. What? Fees. Yeah. The F word. Fees. <laughs> you know? We, none, of, none of us even know what the hell they are. And most of the planners don't even know what no. they are. No. Right? They don't. Honestly, it was disheartening. I mean, I had been in the industry for five years, and you'd go to these national conventions. Right. And you'd hear guys who were literally making a million dollars, and you'd hear the questions they asked. And it was like, how in the world... Have you convinced so many people to give you their money? (laughs) I was blown away that I was like, I know more than you. Right. Like, how is this possible? It is crazy. You know? And so. I think that happens in a lot of industries. Oh, yeah. There are some really dumb rich people out there. It's, yeah, it's crazy. And so that, I mean, but that's the, that's the business model. That's advisory. That's how most advisors get paid. Well, what happened is I had clients, if you're a business owner, where's your biggest rate of return typically? Your business, right? Right. right. Or I, for one reason or another, have a lot of friends and clients who love investing in real estate. Right. And so I was always battling this where, okay, they need a lot of help planning. How did, what to do on taxes? How to structure deals? Are they protected? You know, all of these things that are important but they didn't want to put money in the stock market. Right. And so they weren't profitable clients. I mean, if you're being like brutally honest, there was, there started to get some tension in the group because I was spending all of my time working with clients who weren't bringing in any revenue to the business. Gotcha. And so the hope was that you do all this planning for them. So one day they sell and they have however much money, and, and you then, get a cut of that. And then they come back to you and say, hey, for all the now, good work all you've of been you doing. you got a cut of that, right? For like, sure. Is that what you're saying? And that's where the, that's where kind of the yeah. issue started happening is like, hey, you're not pulling your weight because your clients yep. are stock yep. market people. And okay, yep. interesting. Yep. That would be hard. And so it kind of just got me thinking a little bit on, you know, either I need to stop working with this type of person and go work with, uh, you know, all advisors are wanting to work with retirees because they have just a pile of money. Right. They've worked their whole career and now they just need to turn that money into income, right? Right. So that's what they were doing. Well, I didn't want to stop working with business owners and entrepreneurs. I enjoy being around them. Sure. It's it's fun. Right. And so it's the energy that you like. Absolutely. Like. And then I joined a coaching program last year and it was all on like mindset, like how to work through like limiting beliefs and all this kind of stuff. And so it started to kind of change how I looked at business in general. Did you just open up to us? A little bit. Oh, <laughs> this is exciting. So, okay. Like, so the coaching program started to give me the confidence and the motivation to do something a little bit different again. Right. Because the other thing about the conference is if you go to like an advisor conference, Dude, everyone looks the same. Oh, yeah. There's a thousand people in there, but it's all the same person. I just picture the boiler room. You ever see that show? Yeah. Or maybe even Suits, 
I, I, I just imagine a lot of cologne. A lot of cologne. A lot of really nice suits. Uh huh. Yeah, a lot of like. Yeah, like you're oh, like you can't go- say the word I want to use to perfectly describe this. But here's the thing: you're going to a conference with advisors. Why are you wearing a three-piece suit? Who right. were, who were you there to impress? Right. You just want to show off your fees. I mean, so <laughs> oh, it was so annoying. And then everyone just like walked around like with this measuring stick, like, "Hey, I'm Andrew. How big's your firm?" Right. It's like it's like how many millions of <laughs> dollars are you firm? managing? Like that's the only question people ask. Right. And then you'll talk to an advisor, dude. How things are going? Bro, I just picked up a $10 million account. It's like, I don't care. People ask me that about my meat all the time. <laughs> How big are your briskets? <laughs> Sorry, got distracted. Oh. No, and that would suck. I mean, that, it was that, just, that it was would just not annoying, be fun. Right? And That's then, not your style either, because you are a fairly, you know, I most of the people I've met in your industry are fairly boisterous. Yeah. You know, showmen, right? They, they kind of show it off. I don't want to say real estate agents because they're not all like that. But, you know, there's, yeah, there's a certain swagger that almost doesn't seem, almost seems artificial, mm-hmm. you know, that they're just kind of puffing out their chest. And, and uh, yeah, you're defi- you definitely don't no. seem to play that game. Like I would show up to those conferences in, in what I consider to be water. like dressed up. It was a golf shirt tucked in. Right. Well, because <laughs> you're probably going to golf later. You know, like that was me. And like everyone look at me like, are you like an assistant? <laughs> you know, like, right. no, but I, I don't, I'm not, I don't believe in like being formal. Like right. I take my job serious, but that doesn't mean that I take myself serious. Right. You know? And I think that's important. You know, I had a guy I used to work for named Rob Lamb. Um, I sold hot tubs right after my mission. He yeah. was one of the owners of this business and a really successful guy. And he used to go buy new cars every couple of years. And we're talking like, I remember when he bought a Viper, yeah. you know, right when they came out. But he made it a a he, he on purpose. He would put on his like farming clothes, his ranching clothes, because he yeah. had a big property and he farmed it all. And yeah. And he'd walk in there and he'd have enough cash to buy any car there, but he'd look like a dingy. Uh huh. And the very first salesman that took him seriously, he just bought the car. Yeah. But it's amazing how many he had to go through. Like before somebody took him serious, yep. but the person that finally did and treated him right, you just, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. No. Well, and especially with money and perception is reality. Oh. And in, in this industry, the term is perception is reality. Right. So advisors dress up. And I, I mean, when I met with clients, I was in a shirt and a tie and it's not that I don't like dressing up. I enjoy dressing up. Like I don't, right. it's not that I don't enjoy it. Give a nice body. But well, <laughs> I work really hard. Right. Every time I put a tie on, it felt like I was selling something. I get that. You know? I get that like, for sure. And so I always, it, I never truly felt comfortable. And I'd have clients make comments all the time. Like, dude, why are you in a tie? Because I'd right. show, I'd, they'd show up in shorts and a t-shirt. Yep. And I'm in a shirt and a tie. Because that's what the industry says you're supposed to do. Right? Absolutely. There are these industry norms that you can't break. You, you're like, you're supposed to work 80 hours a week. You're supposed to be in the office at 6 a.m. You're supposed to not leave until 8 p.m. You're supposed like to be, yeah, you're supposed to be on call 24-7. I mean, that is what it takes to right. be successful. And you have to work with everyone. Anyways, there's a whole list of things, right? Well, I got so sidetracked. No, and it's a, so kind of reeling this all back in. I mean, there's the laundry list of things that just made you finally kind of snap. Well, right? yeah. and, and so, well, and here's the thing. It all came back to one conversation and this is funny. He'll probably hear this. Brett Munson. Oh, I love Munson. So hi Brett. I mean, Munson and I have been boys since our mission. I right. mean, so it's been man, 15 years. Uh-huh. We've been good friends and he called me and, it wasn't the first time that I've had a conversation like this. I've had it multiple times before, but at that stage, like going through the coaching where I was at, what I was going through at Norton, and he just said, Hey, Andrew, I need you to look at something for me. I know you're not going to want me to do it, but I need some help. <laughs> and knowing months and he's, he was just joking around, of right? course, which he always is. But when he said, I know you don't want me to do it. I was like, dude, why you really think that I'm not going to, 
I don't want the best for you. It just, right. it was like, why would you think that? And he was like, dude, it's because I don't know, like what I'm going to do doesn't involve how you're going to get paid. Right. And so like, I can't ask you to help me if it's, if you're not going to get something, for you know it. what I mean? Or if I'm taking money out of the market to go do something else, right? you know? And so there's always kind of that conflict in my mind that existed because, you know, people would come and they would say, a really common question is, hey, should I pay off my house, right? So we, you could go down and you could break out the numbers. But at the end of the day, if you're being transparent and honest, if you're my client and I'm managing a million bucks and you have a $500,000 mortgage, call it a million dollar mortgage, right. and you come to me and say, hey, should I pay off my house? The answer could be no. Like I, could, I can show you on paper why that answer is no. But in the back of your mind, are you thinking, well, if he says no, it's because he wants to keep my money. Right. You know, you've just had that, just that little glimpse of, Ugh, I don't know if I can really trust you. Well, and this just popped in my head back. So the way that you did things before, and we'll get to the way things, the, we'll get to the way that you're doing them now. But yeah. the way things, the way that you did things before, what restricted you from giving them the answer that you wanted to give them? business fees or or what you were required to do as as a part of the partnership or bring to the table or no so it was nothing like that so it was nothing like that and most advisors give the the correct advice the correct advice or the advice they want to give the correct advice okay but that doesn't change the fact that there's still a conflict there absolutely because here's the thing if i tell you to go pay off your house or go buy this land or go start a business, you're going to take that money out. So now the business is not making any money, right? right? I'm not a charity. I'm not that good of a guy that I'm just going to do all the work for free. Sure. You know? And so what happens if you're having a bad day and you're financially stressed, you know, something happens and all of a sudden someone, you had a huge client come to you and say, Hey, I'm going to pull all of my money because I'm going to go do this other investment. Right. You know? And so, and though, even though that might benefit them greatly, uh-huh. it hurts you. Uh-huh. So you may, you know, some advisor may say like, I don't know, I think we can do better. Exactly. Yeah, and that's a problem. Exactly. And I mean, if you talk to advisors, like I was just last week, I was up in Idaho and I was talking about kind of my new model mm -hmm. and my advisor's like, oh, that's so awesome. He's like, I give away so much money every year. You know, they almost, he explained that to me. He Sorry. kind of wore it as like a badge of honor. He's like, I told clients to do so many things that I didn't get paid on, you know? And it's like, that's awesome that you're doing that. But at the same time, like, why shouldn't you be paid for it? Not only not, why shouldn't you, but are you always going to, right? Like as long as there's a, the opportunity for conflict, I just felt like, and it's because people would make comments on it. And you'll never truly have your client's best interests at heart. I mean, there's always that's a fine, it's a hard, a it's a fine somewhere. line. It's a fine line, right? Because you do need to get paid for your expertise, but for sure, there are so many. It sounds like there's so many things that would limit you from giving them exactly, yeah, the right advice. You, you know, that'd well, be yeah. a that'd be a tricky road to walk. I yeah, think. well, like if if they came and hey, I want you to help me plan how I'm going to go buy this business. It might require 20 hours. Right. But I'm not going to get paid on any of it. So am I really going to give them my best effort? Absolutely not. You know? Don't get mad at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So I think this brings us to the exciting part. Yeah. How are we doing on time? We're doing okay. So obviously all this stuff kind of built up. Yeah. And I just learned this, what, about a month ago. Mm -hmm. And of course, I that's when I hopped in line. <laughs> right? And I'm still in line. Okay. We're a pretty successful business, but, um, Hey, but, but you be quiet. I'm talking. Okay. You shut up. I'm about to say some really cool things about you. Okay. So I think it all goes back to your desire to take something and make it better. Right. So yeah. you do that for your clients, but it's like, Hey, I'm going to do this for me. So how do I take what I do? My expertise, get rid of all these limiting you know, issues, whether it be fees or commissions or whatever, how can I help 
associates, friends, do exactly what they want to do and not have to worry about it hurting me or not maybe affecting my bottom line. Yeah. I can still be successful helping them no matter what they do with their money. Yep. How did you do that? So that's where Aventus was born. So the whole concept behind it is to be able to provide that no strings attached advice. Right. And ultimately investing, whenever you talk about financial advice and investing, investing is always kind of the, the center. That's where most people kind of come to. That's what they ask about. Everything is centered around the investments. But the truth is that is one leg of what you do. Right. And so what Aventus does is the whole purpose to create these plans. And when you look at kind of what wealth is and what success is, it's not money, it's time. And so to work with someone and help create more time for them. And how do you do that? You provide better planning, you get them better investments, you get better tax planning, you do better business planning. You know, there's all these different moving pieces that they are trying to manage themselves. Sure. And when you have a business owner, entrepreneur who has done it themselves, and most people are getting to a level to where kind of they're more successful than maybe their family was growing up. Mm-hmm. And so where do they turn to for advice? I mean, they're not, they're not Qualtrics. They're not selling for $8 billion, know, you know, right. that but, was awesome. you know, but they're a successful business who's generating, you know, millions of dollars in revenue and they didn't go to school. They didn't go to Harvard. They didn't go to Yale. You know, they don't have this fancy degree. They just kind of figured it out and built a really successful business. And so now it's up to them to manage all of the, all of these different moving pieces and not only all the moving pieces, all of the people who manage those moving pieces. Exactly. You know? And so it's, it's, well, it's hard to find time for that. Well, it's unfair to expect them to be able sure. to do it. I mean, that, for me, I think a lot of people kind of look at investing and, and saving for the future. And it's just not something that is taught, you know, nowhere. In school, like it's never, and, you know, I just turned 40 and I finally just got to the point where I'm like, I got to start, you know, wising up here. Uh-huh. And so I, you know, I kind of flirt with it on my own and, and I've learned a little bit, but I'm not really, I definitely want to save money, Yeah. but I'm not passionate about it. I'm passionate about my business. Yeah. So, but you know, in business I've also learned, and you'll probably agree with this, is that you need to hire and surround yourself with people that are smarter for than sure. you are. For sure, 100%. At least, especially in certain things. And so for me, it would make perfect sense to have somebody to kind of help me with that. Yep. And I bet a lot of business owners are in the same. Absolutely, they boat. are. Yeah, and it's funny, even people inside of the financial industry, like I have a lot of clients who are in the financial world that most people would think they're doing it themselves, but they don't know all this stuff. They're focused on their one area. Right. You know, just like you with barbecue, you're not an expert in ice cream or chocolate chip cookies. Tasting. Thank you, Crumble. Oh, yeah. I was there last night. National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. Right. Mm. It's kind of sad that it kind of overshadowed Law Enforcement Memorial Day. I was a little bothered by that. You know, not to take a more depressing stance. But I saw more on freaking chocolate chip day. It wasn't even chocolate chip cookie day. It was chocolate chip day. <laughs> and it was also the memorial day for fallen officers. And I was about to go like on a huge rant on social media. See, Enough about chocolate chips. But see, that's social media's fault. That's not your fault. No. Not a lot of us, you know, nobody and, knew. And it's my stomach's fault. I love them. <laughs> okay, sorry. I went off on a tangent. I don't even remember what I was saying. Me either. Okay, so, but but one thing I want to kind of get back to is you've kind of said what you want to do different for your clients, but how are you doing oh, different? okay. What are you doing different as far as the fees and some of the other things that you had problems with selling things? Yeah. What are you doing different for you? Because I think time is important to a lot of us, like yeah. you said, but it's got to be important to you too because sure. I'm sure you want the same thing that you want to give your clients. So how are you, how are you creating that for yourself? Yeah, that's... And it's exactly it. I want, I want to provide my clients what I want. You know, I I am my own client, if sure. you will, right? And so, 
what I would want. And that's how I try to approach things is if I were a client, what would I want? Sure. And I would want to know everything. Like I would want to see all the details. I'd want to see everything. I want to know exactly how it's going to work. And I want to trust that whoever I'm working with knows what they're doing and has my best interest at heart. Right. Right. Well, everyone says that, but when you look at how, you know, most advisors will, how, how they use fees, it's a percentage of an account that's billed automatically. No one understands it. I don't even think most of your, you know, most of your advisors could tell you what those fees are. Yeah. Or even how they're structured. Mm -mm. And most clients, if you ask them, even clients that I've had that I have, if you were to say, you know, how did he, how much, how much did he, how much did he cost you? I don't know. (laughs) I got my little state farm. I bought a mutual fund like years ago. I don't even remember how long, but I get my little report at the end of the year. Yeah. And every year I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing made like $1,400. Yeah. And then I keep going down. I'm like, it made like $3. Mm-hmm. Like 90% of the increase went to fees. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And it's a common thing. It's, there's just layers and layers of fees. And so once again, you can't ever eliminate it. And it's not that it's bad, right? Like right. the model fits for most people. Right. And so I'm not saying that advisory is bad. Like it's awesome in the Norton group. Like my partners are phenomenal, right? Like we are great friends. We get along great. I have nothing bad to say. It's just, I wanted to work with a different type of client in a different way. And so now instead of having different fees or having clients question or wonder, you know, will you work with me on this? But maybe you probably don't want to work with me on that. So it's just, it's easy. It's transparent. There's a lot of things that, that kind of go into it. You know, like how much, how much time is it going to take? How complex is it? How many things are we managing? You know, like if you're a real estate investor and you have 20 properties, you know, every year we should do an analysis on is the property growing? Is your rent where it needs to be? Is your mortgage rate where it needs to be? Should we refinance? Should we take that money and buy another one? Should we get out of it? Should we go buy in a different market? You know, all of these different things. And so I just had a small stroke when you said that, (laughs) all of that. That's why you hire you. Yeah. Because I'm like, you say I need an analysis. I'll just be like, you have my blessing. Yeah. Analyze. Yeah. Ready, set, go. You know, and, and so that's part of it. You know, for other clients, it's like I was at lunch with one and he was talking about he was trying to just get some loan documents. He was building in a, a an office building. Right. And he was like, it probably took me 50 man hours to get all of the stupid documents that they asked for because he'd invested a ton of money in a bunch of small businesses. So it's not like they have online records. Right. So he was having to track everything down he's a really, really busy guy, you know? And so someone who can help manage and take all of that stuff off their plate. I mean, the whole goal is for the client to spend as little time as necessary on their own finances so they can spend their time doing something else. That sounds good to me. But I think I just realized why you haven't sent me my worksheet. Why? Well, because you said your client was building an office building. (laughs) I I have a small restaurant in Orem, Utah. And I don't want to build a freaking office building. See, that's what's awesome, though, <laughs> is there's there's value to be given everywhere sure. at all levels. And right. so my big thing is I, I always want, I mean, going back to the go-giver, right? right? What's the first law? You provide more value ever than compensation you take. Right. You know, I'll never work with someone if I don't think I'm going to provide them way more value then they'll ever pay me back in no, fees. Hey, another barbecue. That, that's my brisket. I don't make hardly enough on that yeah. freaking meat to make it worth it. So yep. enjoy your value, yeah. America. Yeah. Because that crap takes a lot of work. Yeah. And I do not make much money on it. Huh. So, okay. So, I, I mean, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, you're, you're taking risks. Yeah. Which I think... You need to be able to relate to the people that you're working with. Yeah. And for me, I think that's that's really attractive to me because it's like, hey, you know, you're bucking the trend, you're jumping into something that is a risk. Yeah. Well, and you have than- and you have a lot of faith in yourself. I, I love it when people have guts, one, but two, they 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 have faith in their abilities. Yeah. I think that says a lot about them. They don't need 
to do things, you know, they kind of buck the status quo, right? Yeah. And so, and I think that's really attractive. But then to say like, hey, this is what I want to create for you because it's what you're creating for yourself. You're passionate about what you are, for lack of a better term, let's say selling to your customer or, or maybe selling the process to them. Here's the thing. Sell it. It's not, there's such a bad connotation around selling. Selling's right. not bad, it's not. right? But I mean, at the end of the day, you have to do something that you believe works. Right. Right. And so that's, I wanted to do things the way I wanted to do them. And, you know, well, and so, I think, so far so good. And, and I think people need to feel that. And that's why I will continue to wait in line <laughs> to get in on this, uh, this bad boy. You know, on suits, they tend to always have a pro bono case that they're working on. It looks good for them. Yeah. So I just want you to keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. So, the business side, I mean, that stuff's amazing. And it, it's amazing. There's so many different lanes we could go down. Yeah. It'd be really fun to, like, pick your brain. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would have questions for you on how to do this, how to do that. Yeah. But I want to learn a little bit more about Andrew. We have a few more minutes. Okay. So a couple little podcast questions that I hear a lot that I like. Okay. Okay. You are obviously, a, I've said this four times already, but a passionate person. Yeah. I'm going to ask this. I already know the answer. Okay. But I think it'd be kind of exciting to hear you talk about it. But what okay. are you curious about right now? What's what am I got, curious what's about What's got right your now? attention? What, what, what's something outside of... So I'm fascinated with the idea of like masterminds right now. So I raised my hand. I totally bought Tony Robbins' latest course yes. with Dean Graciosa. Totally bought it. Um, I think that there's so much untapped potential in that area now what did you say about tony robbins a few months ago that i i had <clears throat> never really listened to him before <laughs> that's not what he said <laughs> he's a liar i'm just trying to find things that i was right about that he can say like you were right you were right social media was one cam's always told me to listen to tony robbins i love tony robbins and oh man i don't know why i just i, just, I hadn't right right but man's unbelievable he's, a, he's brilliant he's unbelievable um and so, yeah, like I literally, I joke going back to the old man thing. Like I fall asleep on the couch early. <laughs> I'm drinking caffeinated drinks at night <laughs> so I can stay up and like go through his courses. Right. And I'm waking up at like five in the morning so I can bust more courses out before I hit the gym. <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to say to watch more NBA playoffs because you're a basketball junkie. I That's am. your thing. It's embarrassing. My wife has probably seen more of the playoffs this year than I have because I've slept through them. Oh, my gosh. And they've been phenomenal games, like the four-overtime game. They have been, I until now. I straight up slept through the four-overtime game. Like, Jenna was like, Andrew, wake up. Andrew, wake up. It's been a good playoff season. I know. But Hockey and basketball. Yeah. So that is – that's kind of currently, like, outside of, like, my job is that and, like, the whole podcasting world is right. learning about it and how it works and – how the business side of it works. And it's funny, it's as you focus on something, like now all I notice is like, man, there's a lot of this stuff out there. Oh, right, a ton of it. You know, but it's just fun. Like, right. it's it's been a lot of fun kind of diving into it a little bit. Well, there's a lot of financial planners. Yes, there are. There's a lot of restaurants. Yeah. And so it doesn't mean you can't kind of carve out your own slice. So yeah, yeah. everything that you see here, the mics, right? The TV, the camera. This is all Andrew and Brent. Yeah. So the, it's been really fun to watch. It's another reason why I'm waiting in line, right, <laughs> for, for the business side, is when you get an idea in your head. I'm kind of the same way, but I've been really excited about being a part of it. But you really dove in and, I mean, not just about how do we podcast, but the equipment, yeah. how to connect it all. Brent, you deserve some credit for this, too. And I just sit back and get texts like, so, uh, hey, are we going to do this today? Uh, <laughs> when are we doing this? Hey, uh, I need some pictures. Can you send this? I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So it has been pretty fun to watch you take an idea and just, I mean, man, yeah. it's like blinders. And you're drinking a caffeinated perk yeah. at night to stay awake longer Yeah, to do Tony Robbins. and So give me that extra hour. That's right. So I'm obsessed with podcasts now because of you. And so it's that whenever I'm prepping, that's all I do. Yeah. I listen to podcasts. There are so many good ones out there. So I know a little bit about, I, I think upbringing is, 
I think a lot of people have stories about their upbringing that really are relevant to where they are yeah. in their adult life or their success. You know, I feel like failure creates a lot of success. Um, but you have kind of a different upbringing story, yeah. right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So, I mean, to sum it up, like change was the norm, right. if you will. So I went to five different grade schools. This is in Utah? No. No? So started school in California, moved to Provo. So one school in California, one school in Provo, and then three schools in American Fork. Oh, man. So it's like through sixth grade or what? Yeah. Okay. So through sixth grade, five different schools. And then randomly the other day I was counting, I moved 27 times before I was 24. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So why? Why all the moving? Um so many reasons i mean when we were young you know parents getting different jobs and moving around and then just me like what i've done it's i mean lived in el salvador for a couple of years moved around a bunch then right to kind of gone and back and forth from school i don't know it's just kind of i i enjoy change i enjoy the challenge of what changes like i sure i really enjoy that um and so i mean that's kind of something in uh, obviously another kind of defining piece of me is my parents got divorced when I was in, I think fourth grade. So I was eight or nine at the time. And we had, I had a little sister who's two and like a little brother who was literally, I don't know, six months. Right. right. And so like at that time, I, I had to transition. I was no longer a kid. I kind of had to transition into a different role. It was awesome because like the relationship I have with my mom now is unbelievable. Right. I mean, we have, it's a really, it's not your typical mother son relationship. Right. Sure. I mean, we are so tight and you know, she got remarried to Tom who for all reasons is my dad. I mean, like when I refer to people as my dad, like I'm referring to Tom Right. and you know, you bring a couple of families together and there's always growing pains at the beginning, but at this stage where we're at, I consider everyone like brother and sister and mom and dad. Like there's no, right. there's no difference between anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just think a lot of that stuff you, you have to learn from, I mean, going to all the different schools, you have to learn how to adapt. You have to be able to be easygoing. Uh, right. You have to be able to make friends easily and get along with any type of person. Right. right. I mean, something else that's kind of funny is, I mean, I was really young for my grade. So I started school in California. So my birthday's November. In Utah, the cutoff is August. So I wouldn't I wouldn't have made it. But sure. in California it was December. So when I came back to school, I mean I was a full year younger than most of the kids in my grade. Right. Going into high school, I started high school when I was fourteen. Like I didn't turn sixteen until November of my junior year. Whoa. You know, I mean, I was really young for my, I mean, there was a lot of kids in the grade below me that were older than I was. And so like, I've always kind of had that chip of being like the young kid. Sure. And then it's funny, like you look now in the industry that I'm at, like the average advisor is 55. Really? You know? And so like, I've always been like the quote unquote young kid, like no matter what I do. Right. Um, but I've also kind of used that as fuel. I mean, even like my sophomore year, I was 14 years old my sophomore homecoming and I asked a senior to homecoming. Oh, that's what I, I'm talking about. I made her come pick me up cause I can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> that is an amazing story, you know, but it was just kind of like, what's up girl? Like you got to pick me up though. And it was more of a thing like, Hey, <laughs> you, you should do that. I was like, sure. Why not? Let's do it. Like, wow. what's the worst that can happen? Oh yeah. And it was fun, you know, but I mean, so that kind of helps as I look back on, it, I, I don't really think much of it, but it is like this, this thing that's always on my mind. Like I always feel like I'm young. Right. I mean, most of my friends that I hang out with are older than I am. People that I work with are older than I am. You know, it's just kind of funny. So Do you still feel young when you go to bed at 7:45? I'm young at heart, Cam. <laughs> I'm young at heart. Well, I think it's I think it's funny cuz I think you can relate a lot of your personality. You know, because it's fun to watch you like family parties. Yeah. You kind of you kind of sit back and you kind of you're you're very observant. Yeah. Like when you get Andrew to laugh at something, you, you 
It's rewarding. <laughs> like you have to earn it with you. You don't just laugh to laugh, right? And sometimes it's like you feel like you have to work a little harder because that stoic side might take over. But you're also super laid back. Like Jenna, your wife. Yeah. It's it's funny because I love you two to pieces. But if my wife talked to me the way that your wife does sometimes, it'd be like, oh, uh, excuse me? <laughs> Andrew, get the kids. Andrew, hurry up. But it's not because she's like that. It's just that communication works with you because it doesn't she's affect just, you. I'm like, uh, please, thank you. See, and what's funny is like when we've been around you and you've like made a joke oh, around I it. Oh, I always do. But I've never once noticed it. Like oh, of I've, course like not. I've never felt like she's just, she's asking for help. So sure, I'll help. Right. Like, well, I bet it's kind of comforting to know that you don't have to be like, Ashley's like, uh, sweetheart, would you mind helping me put the kids to bed? I'd really appreciate it. I'd be like, of course, honey, sure. I can't stand these kids. Get up here and help me put them to bed. I'm like, that's not how you ask. <laughs> I'm such a jerk. But that's why I think my wife probably thinks you're a way better husband than, than I am. Oh, Gosh man. dang it. It makes us look so bad. But no, I think a lot of that probably comes from, you know, my parents are divorced as well. And I, I had to kind of grow up fast. But it is amazing how I think, because you do have a, a, I would call a high maturity level. Right? Yeah. You, and I think you observing and kind of the way your personality is, you being observant and kind of watching how things are going around you, how to make things better. I bet a lot of that relates to some of those trials that you oh, went for through sure. yeah. as a fourth and fifth grader. And so, I mean, I've had to, I have to take emotion out of decisions, right? Sure. It's like, I can't, I can't get emotional about things. And I think a lot of that goes back to that for sure. Well, I think in money, yeah, that is probably a pretty vital, yeah. You know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Quality. Quality. A very vital quality is not getting emotional with, yeah. with money would be hard. Yeah. For me. Well, and I mean, even like the divorce, like for some people, it's terrible for us. Like, as I look back on it, like all I can see are like the positives that came from sure. it. Sure. You know what and I mean? I mean, that's like, what you need to do. It is hard to do that. Yeah. But, but, you know, so, I mean, you look back on all the things and. You got Big Tom. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like. There's there are certain things, and I have a really bad memory one, so that helps. I don't remember much yeah, in anything. Yeah, I like that too. I like to just see the roses, you know. And so, like, I look back, like, did you have a good? Day? Oh yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only bad memory, and that now is a good memory, was when I got shot. I don't, did you ever, have I told you this story before? Wait a minute, you've been shot? Yeah, with a gun. Yeah. Holy crap! Have no. I, I don't know that. Oh, okay. Let's talk. So, so I heard you've been shot. Yeah. So what in the? So eighth grade, um, <laughs> I had gotten one of those like super nice pellet guns, like the pump action. Right. Right. I mean, and I had the pointy pellets. Like I probably oh had pumped gosh. that thing like sixteen times. So there's some mag. So we lived at our house, and there was a field behind it, and there was a bunch of magpies and like pheasants that would run around in Satan's the field. Bird yeah. is what I call it. Go ahead. And so. I was like, I'm going to go hunting. <laughs> and so I get my pellet gun. I pump it as many. I'm literally like I couldn't do it any longer. Right. And I have the pointy pellets because I wanted to kill the bird. I didn't sure. want to just shoot it. As you should with magpies. Yeah. Go ahead. So I'm out there. I'm not a very good hunter because I didn't find anything. <laughs> so I came back to eat lunch. And me being the dumb kid I was, I just oh, pressed. I just no. put the safety on. And... I'm sitting at our counter eating lunch and like all of a sudden I hear the gun go off and I flip around and my brother is standing like this holding the gun. And when I see him, all of a sudden I just feel this pain on my shoulder. So I just grab my shoulder like this and I pull it out and just blood just all over my hand. And I just see it and I look at my brother and I just scream. I'm like, ah. And like, I got up to run and like, he thought I was chasing him. So he just took out, like he's gone. Like it's just the two of us at home and he is out. Like he's out of the house. He's running. I just run into our living room, just like super dramatic, like bachelor style dramatic. Like I like the bachelor, I like collapse onto the, onto our couch and like, so this is kind of like a personal story but then some stranger walks into the house 
gets a towel, cleans me up, gets me calmed down, calls the ambulance, calls my parents. Cause oh, part, so it was just you and your brother. Yeah, he, and he's still in the street. He's gone. Oh. <laughs> right? Oh, my god. So this stranger walks in and gets calmed down, ambulance, all that kind of stuff, right? And then when everyone was there, he had he left. He was gone. Um, so I get I get the ambulance gets there. They're asking me what happened. So it, it entered like right here, like on my shoulder blade, right? So back. I'm, I'm on my back on my left shoulder blade. Right. And they're just like, Oh, it's stupid kid. You got shot by a pellet. It's not that big a deal. Like, like stood me up, walked me out. Like we live literally a minute, maybe two from the hospital. So like just drive to the hospital. So like I drove and they did an x-ray just to see like where the pellet was. And like when they came back with the results of the x-ray, like doctor was white. I was like, oh, this is weird. And he's like, and the, for some reason, I think the guy who drove, like the ambulance guy was with him as well. And he was like super white and apologetic. So the pellet had entered, ricocheted off of my shoulder blade and traveled all the way across my spine and was one sixteenth of a millimeter away from my spinal cord and paralyzing me. Holy crap. So I was one sixteenth of a millimeter away from being paralyzed from the neck down. From a pellet gun. From a pellet gun. Oh my gosh. So. How old were you again? Eighth grade. Oh. And so like after that, like have surgery, you know, get it taken out. Like it's, I mean, everything was fine. I didn't move, but like you could tell like the, the, what is what are they called? Paramedic. Paramedic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the paramedic, like he felt so bad that he had me like moving around because he's like, what if it would have like, yeah, nudged or moved just a little bit, or what if I pushed it further in? You know. So, I mean, I have a handful of stories that are. I mean, that's crazy. I I firmly believe that God is looking out for me. Like right. I don't sugarcoat that. Like I'm here for a reason. And I know that. Right. And, but anyways, looking back, like that's one, it's a funny story now. Like even on our last trip. Your poor mother. <laughs> Do you imagine? Oh man. It's funny. Cause when we were on our last trip, Tom's writing like a, like a self biography about uh-huh. himself. And he got to this point and he was like, like messed him up. Well, no, he's like, what happened? He's like, I don't really remember. <laughs> Oh my god! And so we like retold the story, and he's just like, "Whoa, yeah, yeah." See, I only have one little. Th- as a parent, last year we have a pool. Yeah, and I was opening the cover to my pool, and Hannah, my two-year-old, like she always wears floaties, uh-huh. and I mean I was six feet away from her, so everything was fine. But she just hopped in the pool, assuming she had floaties on, went straight to the bottom. Oh. And it like, I still have like flashbacks about it. So it's really the only thing I could maybe relate to as a parent. But I mean, I dove in, I was fully like clothed, dove in. I mean, she was like a bulldog. I mean, right to the bottom, like a rock. Oh. And it's just like 30 seconds. Like, yeah. So to have to see that, to see your eighth grade kid, like a 16th of a millimeter from being. Well, and if you know my mom, she is like the ultimate mama bear. (laughs) I mean, so I do you know your mom? So she is awesome. Other funny story. She's going to get so mad, but it's so yes. funny. When I was a sophomore playing basketball, we were playing Timpview. And Ugh. after the game, we're shaking hands. Everyone, you know, shaking hands. And one of the kids just like hits me in the chest. Just like hit me, like for no reason. One of the recruited players. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, me, I was like, whatever. Like, you're dumb. I'm not going to react to you. And so other difference between us. So like I go back to the locker room. <laughs> oh, I find out that as soon as that happens, my mom jumps up out of the stands and tears down onto the floor. Oh. And she runs down onto the floor and she grabs this kid by the jersey. She grabbed the kid? She grabs the kid that hit me oh. by the jersey. Susie? <laughs> yeah. And then this kid's dad comes down from the stand and starts yelling at my mom. 
And Tom's like, oh no, what's going to happen? So, <laughs> so Tom finds his way down to the floor. So we've got my mom yelling at this kid, the dad yelling at my mom. And then my mom turns to the other dad and just yells, hit me. Oh hit my me. gosh. Just hit me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I wish this was on YouTube. Like on one of those compilations about like yeah. bad sports parents. <laughs> Oh, but it's just like perfectly summarized. Like she, my mom would do anything for right. someone that she loves. Oh, that's great. You See, know? Ashley's that way. And I, so like, it was so fun. Like I remember someone telling me, dude, your mom's like getting in a fight. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to talk to her about both of these stories. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Those are amazing. So yeah. So there's a couple of funny stories that probably you didn't know. No. And like your mom is so just fun. Like, I just can't see it. Of course, I can't see it with my wife either, Ashley. Yeah. Like, I can't even go to my kid's soccer well, games with her because she's nuts. That mama kinks in, or kicks in. Right. kinks, kicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you caught it because I was about to have some fun with that. Oh, mama bear kinks in. Oh, yeah, I love every other Sunday. It is my favorite. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. I've had fun. I, I mean, we're brother-in-laws, but... Obviously, there's some things that I still need to learn about you. Yeah. So this is very informative. So yeah. thanks for being a guest. And from here on out. We'll be doing it together. We're a team. Oh, it's going to be fun. We're a team and we'll have guests. and Look out to our guests because they're in, they're in for they're it. They're in for it. It's going to be it's gonna be hard to know what's coming. Yeah. Because we are a little different. But yep. I think it'll play off of each other well. So, yeah, thanks for being with us. Yeah. This, this has been thanks, a blast. Guys. And uh, make sure to stay tuned and subscribe to the Nitty Gritty podcast the nitty gritty we really got to get that sound bite but all right well have a great week all right thanks for being here man yep